Welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, the Catholic Foodie. So glad that you are listening today. So glad that you are here. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I am so excited. I'm so excited. I have been spending a lot of time lately with a, a friend. You know, you feel like when you read books, sometimes you really get to know the author. Uh, well, that's what I've been doing lately. I've been reading uh, some books by Heather King, and I am just so uh, excited that we actually have Heather King right here with us on the Catholic Foodie Show today. Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure. You know, you you uh, I've been reading uh, Parched, which I believe was your first memoir about uh, recovering from uh, alcoholism, or your story rather, and uh, just such a, a fantastic uh, book. And I wanted to have you on the show today specifically to talk about your latest book, which is entitled "Loaded: Money and the Spirituality of Enough." That is a uh, yes. Awesome. Awesome <laughs> title. So thank you again for, for joining me today. And, uh, you know, loaded is or can be a loaded term, huh? Yes, I, I, um, I think I chose it. First of all, I like one word titles. I have a lot of them sort of past participle. I have parched. I have redeemed. I have a food book coming out soon called Spanish. Ooh. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so this is a book about money and so loaded. And I like the implication of, um, loaded. In other words, sort of flush, there's a certain swagger. There's an implication of course, loaded has a, has one of its meanings is being high. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I haven't done that in a long time, <laughs> 29 years. Uh, since I've had a drink or a drug, but the loaded, the high on, on um, sort of life, the way that we are called, I think, to walk, we get to call, walk through life with a certain, um, a certain style, not a, not a, a boastful, um, blowhard swagger, but a certain style, no matter how much or how little money we have, because uh, our worth is not in money, it's in something beyond us that, uh, uh, you know, for me in Christ, and I think uh, Christ gives us very unique individual. So he, he calls us to be our own person. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so getting freed of our attachments is part of that. It, I think is coming into our, our kind of true person that we are meant to be. And you're, you're talking about how money doesn't define us, right? It doesn't, uh, it's not really who or what we are as, as, as people, as humans. And we could almost say that in our culture here in the United States, that, 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 is a countercultural idea, wouldn't you say? Oh, super countercultural. I mean, the system we live under is called capitalism. <laughs> we live under a system that is moneyism. So it's profoundly countercultural. And and to add to the mix is the fact that we live in a world. We live in this world. Um, and and we need money to get by. Um, I'm not a wandering. 14th century mendicant like St. Francis of Assisi, mm. which I think I tried to be for a while. <laughs> we live in a world with money, with money that runs. So I need, we need a certain amount of money to participate fully, to serve. Um, so it's tricky. It, it's like the people with uh, a food disorder, you have to eat right. and you have to have 
money somehow or other. And so how to come to a relationship with it, um, making it, spending it, uh, or coming by it some way or other, um, that is, that is Christ-centered and that's life-affirming and that, is, that doesn't keep us in bondage to some weird kind of idol. Right. Yes. You know, at the beginning of the book, and I have to, t- I have to say this, first of all, um, rarely do I get a book and am able to read the whole thing like within a day or two. Uh, it used to be, you know, before life, before I was a husband and a father with four kids and just, you know, life, um, I was able to do that when I was a student. That was great. And I loved it because I, I love to read. Uh, but this book came in. I ordered it. I actually ordered the, the Kindle and the uh, paperback. I wanted to pass the paperback off to my wife while I read the Kindle version. And I have to tell you, I read mm-hmm. it in a day and a half. I, I, I just, uh, I, I couldn't put it down. It, it, it really spoke to me. And, I, and I'll tell you that it, some of it made me uncomfortable. You know, and I, not that that's a mm-hmm. bad thing. I, I think it's a good thing, uh, but some of it made me made me very uncomfortable. Be- I'll tell you an example. Uh, in the very beginning, you tell the story uh, of your friends uh, Tinsy and and Dennis um, mm-hmm. with with uh, the Catholic worker and and L.A. And just hearing that story, uh, of very real details of their life, of how they approached uh, money. And, and service and love and family um, was kind of unnerving. And I can say it was unnerving <laughs> for me personally because, because yeah. I, I, I have always, I, ha- I have to tell, I confess this, I, I, I feel like a fish out of water a lot of the time because I spent, mm-hmm. when I was 18 years old, I left home and I went, uh, I joined the Missionaries of Charity Fathers, Mother Teresa's priests down in Tijuana, mm-hmm. Mexico. And I spent two years in formation with them. And so I lived among the poor. I worked with the poor. We were poor. And when I came mm-hmm. back from that, I've been trying to like, almost, I'm here I am 40 five years old, still trying to figure out how money, like what role does it really play in my life? And so to hear these stories of, of Tensi and, and Dennis just blew me away. Yes. Talk about countercultural. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis, by the way, is now serving 120 days in federal prison here in downtown LA for um, witnessing for peace at Vandenberg Air Force mm-hmm. Base. Um, yeah, and just, just to let the listeners know, this is a, um, they're not actually the LA Catholic worker, it's Guadalupe Catholic worker, which is up, up the coast. So they serve the um, very, very uh, poor uh, farm workers of the central coast. And they have a clinic and food distribution and clothing distribution. And uh, he's 65 Tensi is, uh, I think, 18 years younger than he is. They have two teenage kids, and they live, the Catholic worker, uh, they live on donations. And yeah. uh, and they have this whole thing about not being, they never want to be either in debt, so they will not go into debt of any kind, nor do they, do they believe in hoarding. In other words, if they have enough money for the month, and people offer them more, they'll give it away. So it's a radical for those of us who are schooled. And I mean, and our culture so tells us, um, save up and get your IRA. And, and in fact, Christ doesn't tell us to do that. He has a lot to say about don't store up your treasure here on earth. 
Store up your treasure in heaven. He has the example of the guy with the barn who puts his stuff, extra stuff, he has extra stuff, puts it in a barn, and he kind of says, you fool, your very life will be... Christ is not about saving up for the future. Um, and I think we totally skip over that. Um, it's so radical and so scary uh, and so countercultural that we just don't even look at it, just like we don't look at much of the Gospels as an actual blueprint for life. I mean, right. we very we really don't take Christ at his word about hardly anything. And I, I kind of, my sense is, he's saying, this is the way, the truth and the life. I mean, he's telling us how to live. It can be very uncomfortable. I mean, it's, it's when we, we grow up in this environment, right, this atmosphere, and this is kind of what we know from childhood on. And, and and then to hear the gospel and to see it lived out, I think that was one of the things that was so radical about someone like Mother Teresa, who had the world stage, right? She was on the she had the world's attention, and and mm-hmm. she was someone that when she spoke, people really listened. They really listened. They they mm-hmm. added deference, if nothing else. They listened because they knew that this is a woman who walked the walk or, or talked, how does it right. go? Walk the talk, whatever it is. Yeah. She, she walked, lived she walked the walk. Didn't she lived talk the talk. it. That's right. And, and so right. people listen, not, not that it changed everybody's lives necessarily, but it was just a radical way of, of following Jesus, a radical way of really seeing Jesus and other people and taking him at his word and serving them. And that's kind of the story I think you, you share with, with, of Tensi and, and Dennis, and it can be unnerving. Uh, but yeah, you know, I know that uh, Jesus talks in the Gospels, uh, you mentioned this in the book, that he doesn't hate money. He does, he's not, um, he just doesn't seem to think about it much. Doesn't seem to worry exactly. about it. Exactly. Exactly. He knows, he knows he needs, and he seems completely unconcerned. Um, he seems absolutely confident it will be there when and if he needs it. Um, oh, you need the temple tax. Oh, go, go open the mouth of a fish. It'll be there. Oh, go ask the guy, prepare the upper room. He'll know what you're talking about. Um, go get a donkey. Uh, he's, he's doesn't, um, he says, regard the lilies of the field. Um, and, and doesn't your father, uh, you know, the splendor with which he raised the lilies of the field and, uh, every hair of, your head is numbered. Don't worry about it. He knows what you need. Um, right. So that kind of radical trust, I think, is the spiritual principle. And there's a radical way for all of us to live out our lives. We're not all going to be Catholic worker model. We're not all going to go to Calcutta or wherever and live the missionary of charities model. But I think we're all called to that kind of radical uh, and God knows I'm not there, but I think I get, but maybe we get a little closer, this radical trust. Um, and, the, and the trust, it's, it's because we're loved so much. It's not, oh, you're not doing it right unless you have total, unless you have this kind, <laughs> this kind of radical lifestyle. That's not it at all. It's just, I think we're missing, it's like, oh, how right. sad, we're missing the full gift right. of Christ's love. Um, if, if we're, you know, to the exact extent that we are holding on to, well, let's hedge our bets. Uh, yeah, 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 we, we, uh, yeah, Christ, he's great. But let me, um, like buy a gun and pump up my IRA. That's and right. it's, you know, it's kind of like we're on a, 
When the horns of a dilemma were divided, and I think that's what he means by you can't serve both God and mammon. It's not money so much as, as God and self-reliance, sort that's of. Right. And I, w- I want to come back to that. We do have to take a break. Uh, you listen to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, with Heather King today. Uh, don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Breadbox Media. I'm Jeff Young, your host, joined today by Heather King, author of Parched and her latest book, Loaded, Money and the Spirituality of Enough. Uh, Heather, before the, the break, we're talking about, well, I was asking you about certain things because some of the things in the book made me feel a little uncomfortable because, well, it kind of goes back to the Gospels. And, uh, you know, you, you were talking, uh, we were talking a little bit about trusting God and how it's really the way that we look at God. And it reminded me of a part in the book where you talk about, I think one of the, one of the parables of Jesus that has for years and years made me the most nervous. And that is the, the, the parable of the, the talents. You remember that mm-hmm. part? Oh Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I, can't, I can't help but get nervous because, you know, you mentioned the book about identifying with the uh, the guy who buried his, the talent, the one talent, you know, and and it, uh, right. I, I've always seen it the same way. But you seem to have come to some sort of a breakthrough with that particular parable. <laughs> yes. You want me to talk about it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, just well, just the whole idea, the concept, that difference. You know, you talk about a difference uh, in, in viewpoint, I guess, or viewing God. Right. Well, yeah, and that brings me sort of the, the viewpoint of my book, which is um, this incredible fear that I have always had around money, based on my childhood, as I think all our money stuff um, basically is. Um, Kids in my family, bricklayer, lovely, hard, hard, hard working parents, and um, and not you know a bricklayer salary. Uh, I don't even know if a bricklayer could do that today. Um, so money stretched very thin and super financial anxiety. So my fear around money has always been there's a finite amount, it's going to run out. So you hoard what little you have and you spend as little money as you possibly can. So. To me, the parable of the talents, first of all, it says right at the beginning um, that the master is a hard, or no, it says, it, it says when, the, when the guy with the one talent explains himself, he says, I knew you were a hard and unforgiving master who reaped where he did not sow. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult because um, it, you know, you, uh, my heart's always been with the guy who buried his talent. Why would you let the guy who reaped where he did not sow benefit even more. He's already right. got, he's already got too much. He's made money off the backs of the poor. Why wouldn't you bury your talent? No. I, and I never took the talent to mean my natural gifts, which I've always understood. Of course, those are for the world. Mm-hmm. Not always, but since I got sober, those are for the world and you give them freely and you're grateful and all that. But as a writer, I talk about this in the book. As a freelance creative writer, trust me, it is a precarious, precarious <laughs> uh, living. And um, and um, not to bite the hand that feeds me, but um, the Catholic world, um, as anyone who's fortunate yeah. will tell you, is not known <laughs> for its extravagance with its um, with its employees or its workers. Mm-hmm. And to and to top it off. 
Although the Catholic world, bless them, has totally, I mean, between Magnificat and the time, they've totally supported me, so I'm deeply grateful. But it's, um, yeah, it's not, I, I wouldn't call it like wild, wild extravagance. And right. to top it all off, publishing across the board, a book, for instance, this is in or out of the Catholic publishing world. The royalty split between a publisher and a writer is approximately 88-12 in mm. their favor. Mm. So... For all of you who like want to think you make a killing as an author, <laughs> after all the publishers, after your usually puny advance is paid off, and after they make costs, that costs, you get maybe a dollar a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and your advance is paid off at that rate. So they're making basically nine times as much as you are out of the game. So anyway, the, the point is, I got to accept the things I can't change. I can't sit around being angry about that. That's the way of the world. Okay, let me be grateful. But what had happened was um, this certain publisher had offered to um, gather some of my work, the work I'd done for them, into a, a small book. Uh, and as usual, it's going to be the eighty-eight twelve. And I just kind of thought I wanted to dig my heels in and say, listen, I'm just going to self-publish it on Amazon, which is also, of course, a horrible, rapacious <laughs> You just can't. But, but, but as a writer, you make a way bigger um, royalty. And I thought, I, and I'll have control and I can design the cover I want and uh, et cetera. You've been through this, um, this process, Jeff. Mm-hmm. And so my impulse was, I'm just going to keep it. In a way, I'm going to take my talent and uh, keep it to myself and do it my way. And yes, there'll be probably a, a way, uh, not, not as wide an audience, because these people had some clout and have a wide circulation, but who cares? Because it'll be mine and et cetera. You get it. Then one night I was lying in bed and literally in the middle of the night, woke up and just sort of like a lightning bolt, I thought the parable of the talents. And I thought, <laughs> that's what it's really, that's what that is really about. It's about if we feel that God reaps where he does not sow and is a harsh taskmaster mm. and is trying to make money off of us, we're, gonna, we're in wrong relationship with right. him. And right. we're going to shut down in a way that is very spiritually unhealthy, that is not life-affirming and enriching. And so I realized, you know, my job is to just get my work out. If I have a gift for writing, whatever gift I have, my job is to do it, do the hard, hard labor, make a humane living somehow or other, and get it out to as wide an audience as I can without, you know, compromising my integrity. So... Um, and I did this, I had some spiritual direction with this too, where people had pointed out to me that my attitude, you know, they were like, oh, I sense some anger in there. You know, and that's, that's also the value of spiritual direction, because I can really, I think we can all, I can just get up on my high horse and really think, oh, I'm having the convictions, my Christ-like, very highly developed convictions, and I'm willing to suffer. And I'm really just kind of... Um, Burying my talent in one way or another, um, shutting down, keeping it small, um, really kind of withholding. So I said, oh, I'd love to have you do the book. Thank you so much. And then it was done and I've made like $300, (laughs) 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 which is very typical. Um, 
But uh, so there you go. And that was my understanding. And I've, I'm sure there are many, many other, other understandings of the parable of the talents. One thing I know it's not about is um, usury or, you know, promoting. Right. Um, like, I really, I think we're not meant to make money on our money. Um, I say this to someone who has IRAs. Um, it seems, and lately I've been thinking, it's like our money is meant to bear fruit in another way. Right. Not by making more money and then just having it sit there. Um, so this is something I struggle I struggle with, as we all do. Uh, you know, I'm a 64-year-old, single, childless, houseless woman. And um, so the, t- the impulse to be fearful about my own mother died of Alzheimer's. Oh, what's going to happen to me? Um, you know, I've never even owned a house. But, my imp- but I think more and more I see... Let the let the money bear fruit some other way, and you'll be taken care of. I have yeah. to trust that. And, and it really is, I think, a lot about uh, trust. You know, I I was a, a teacher. I taught high school uh, in a Catholic high school for a long time, uh, and, and also did youth ministry, that kind of stuff. And then uh, I, I just got to a point where I I don't know if it was stress or whatever. There's a Katrina happened and, and all, but -hmm. I just got to a point where I just couldn't, I felt like I just couldn't do it anymore. You know, it just wasn't in Mm -hmm. me. And so I, I Mm -hmm. uh, did something really crazy. Uh, I didn't leave a a law, a law firm like, like you did, but I I left teaching, uh, which is not known as the Mm -hmm. most lucrative thing in the world. Um, and and, and when I I was self-employed, I, I did websites, I wrote, you know, content for businesses on their websites. I set up email systems, things like that, do a lot of it stuff for businesses. And uh, I did that for six years. Uh, I did six years as a a self-employed and terrified every morning (laughs) waking up, like, am I going to have work today? You know, when's the next check coming? Uh, But I have to say, looking back that it, it was an exercise in trust and it was painful. Um, and, and even though God again and again and again and again showed me that he was taking care of us, showed me that, that he was providing for us, uh, every time, you know, another bill came up and I'm waiting on a check, I would, or not knowing where the check was coming from, I'd be terrified again. You know, it was just over and over mm-hmm. again. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have you here on the Catholic Foodie Show, because I know that a lot of the, the people who listen to this show are moms and dads. They've got kids in the house. Uh, and, and if you, you, you look around the, the country today, what, uh, what's the biggest fear that people have? Yeah, it's about money. People are afraid, right? Uh, and they, they have a lot right. of stress ar- ar- around money. So I'm so glad that we right. can talk about things like, you know, divine providence, that, that God, God is here. Uh, you know, it, it's a challenge to really, I think we, we, we in our culture are conditioned to believe that we do it all. Um, that you know, we idolize the guy you know, who can, the self-made man, the, the, the guy who pulls yeah. himself up by the bootstraps. Um, right. But in, in, in reality, and I think we're gonna we are coming up on a break here, but after the break, I want to talk about this some more. In reality, there is no self-made man, right? In reality, right. Um, we need, and this is biblical. It goes back to how God made us. We need each other, and we need exactly. communion, and we need connection. And I know that um, uh, without that real communion, uh, we really have nothing. And that's definitely something I want to explore with you after the break. Uh, We do need to take a break, 
Uh, you're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show on Breadbox Media. I'm your host, Jeff Young, joined today by Heather King. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, the Catholic Foodie, joined today by author Heather King, the author of uh, Loaded is her most recent uh, book, Loaded, Money and the Spirituality of Enough. You know, Heather, I really wanted to have you on the show today. I mentioned this uh, last segment because in our, I mean, first of all, I love the book. I love the book and, and it, um, it, it really uh, uh, touched things in me that were very important. I mean, that needed to be touched, but also challenged, you know, that, 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 um, it helped me to see some things I needed to see in a new way. And, and I wanted to, to help spread the word about this book and about the work that you do. And, uh, one of the things that, that really came across in the book is something that I think is very much aligned to what I do here at the Catholic Foodie. You know, we're not necessarily talking about food today, although I might see if I can get you to say a thing or two about your next book, but we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, you know, a lot of, uh, of what I do here is really about communion. You know, it's communion uh, around the table of the Eucharist and also around the family dinner table. Those, those are definitely connected. And God himself made us for communion. And that, that sense of communion, that, that real connection and relationships is uh, vital to our lives. We're called to that. It's what God made us, how he made us to be. And yet it is such a difficult thing to, to, to find, to have, to, to allow to happen in life today. And uh, you talk about communion and connection in Loaded, especially when it comes to, uh, to money. It's important. Super important. Um, I mean, we have Christ who gives him his body and blood to us. I mean, he's all about Eucharist, about sitting around the table together and um, you know, that family that I talked about with eight kids, I think one of the things, maybe the thing that has saved me from my own blocks and wounds and sins and compulsions is the fact that we had supper together. It makes me choke up even now every single night around mm. that table together. That's what my parents did for us. My father would come home from this hard, hard day of work and um, and my mother would have dinner you know we kids would have helped but um they had a garden we had everything was homemade because we were we didn't have a ton of money so it was cheaper to make things from scratch (laughs) we uh, we ate i look back and we ate so well but we always had supper together and all of us kids we're all i mean we're totally grown we're in our 50s and 60s now and we all will talk about when we get together, always, oh, do you remember the stories and the food and the recipes? So that, that centrality of food, and, and it reminds us, one of the links with money is that is what money is for, to get everyone around the table, mm, yes. to include everyone, whether it's a literal, I'm actually going to go shopping after <laughs> food shopping because I'm having a little dinner party tomorrow night. And that's part of the way, as I said, I'm single and I, part of what I have to be responsible for my own 
emotional and spiritual help is really making sure that I spend enough time with people and that I open my own doors and that I often, and I accept invitations when other people open their doors and, uh, and that feeds all of us. Um, I think to get back to the, the fear around money that we all um, are prone to, part of that, as you say, is because our culture is, we are so isolated. So the fear is, I'm going to die alone. I'm going to run out of money and no one is going to be there to help me. Um, you don't feel that. When we're in community, I think that is way, way, way lessened. Um, when we when we know we can count on each other and when people have been able to count on us our whole life, that's our that's our true insurance in a way. Our uh it's it's community. <clears throat> it's um so yes, and I do think it is hard, it requires a certain amount of effort always. Community is very difficult as we all know. Whether it's community of our family, of our parish of our uh, fellowships of various kinds. Um, you know, c- community is very, very messy, um, but they knew him in the breaking of bread. They didn't know him in the perfect untouched loaf. They knew him in the breaking of bread, and um, and that's what happens in community and around the table. Um, so instead of, like, saving all my money uh, for the day when I'm going to die alone in a nursing home and have no one, more and more, I think, for heaven's sakes, open your doors and have a party, have a dinner party. Some some version doesn't necessarily, there are lots of versions of the dinner party of the Eucharist that are not necessarily specifically about a meal that we eat, um, although that's always kind of the height of it. But um, various kinds of hospitality, I think, that we can be a part of. Uh, that's right, and I think uh, yeah, as we mentioned earlier, that that sometimes we have our own issues. Like I know, I look at uh, at money. I, I kind of hinted at it earlier. I have, you know, a woundedness in my own life. Right? I have uh, right. Uh, just just things from whether it's when I was a kid or or just growing up, just being part of this culture that we live in. You know, there there there's woundedness inside of inside of me, and there there are things that I do really well and things that I don't do really well, and what I have noticed is that sometimes when I'm on my own and, and I, I tend to, to, to like that, I, I tend to like to spend time by myself, you know, uh, it, yeah. when I, when I do that, what, what happens is I, I become very blind to mm-hmm. reality and I, I start to see things in a way that well, it's just not not very clear. And one of the things that I have been very very grateful for, and believe me, this is another. It's been I've had some growing pains. I've had some growing pains with this. But one of the things that I value so much is having people in my life who love me that I love, but who can help me to keep perspective, who can help me when when I'm maybe not seeing things as clearly as possible. And the person that God has given me who has helped me. Uh, the most in this area is my wife. You know, so we, we can, mm-hmm. I, I may be completely off base about something and I'm talking to her about it and she can help me to see the error of my ways, so to speak, you know, and perhaps that's just part yeah. of maturity or whatever. But I know that as I was reading through uh, uh, the book, uh, reading through uh, Loaded, Money and the Spirituality of, of uh, Enough, that that was one of the things that struck me is that, you know, we can't 
heal ourselves. We can't um, uh, make ourselves better. That it happens in community. It, however, that community looks, you know, it, it happens. We, we need yeah. each other. We need each other. Yeah. Absolutely. We need to rub up against each other to see where our wounds are. We need to be embraced and loved and held in our uh, sort of awakening and and in our continuing pain. Um, Yes, and we need spiritual uh, guidance or direction in whatever form. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a person with that title, but yeah, whether it's a wife or a husband or a friend or a priest, uh, a sponsor uh, of various, there's all kinds of forms of sponsors. Absolutely. Um, And I'm I'm thinking too, you know, the whole, the family, which is the heart of everything and that whole around, everyone around the table and the community and the fellowship. I think part of what, what is difficult is, uh, and Christ is always is our guide. And I think one of the deepest um, power systems, maybe the deepest, is the family. And our families both, of course, they've nurtured us, they've formed us, but Christ was very clear, honor your father and mother but don't be kept in bondage by an unhealthy family system. And we all know people who, you know, we tend to, we emulate our parents because my God, they, they cared for us. They, they gave us life. But sometimes we get, uh, say, say, say we have a father who worked his whole life, super, super hard at a job he didn't like and was always kind of faintly angry and, faintly bitter, and as many people do, worked his whole life against the day when he would retire, and then we all know these people, and the day, the, the week they retire, they dropped out of a heart attack, you right. know, just before yeah. they were going to start their life, <laughs> and I, I think we can be really, really attached to be out of loyalty to being like our parents mm-hmm. were. We, we don't want to betray them in a way by betraying their system that after all supported us and nourished us. And I think that can be sort of subconscious. I mean, I have a deep, uh, you know, I come from a blue collar family and I got a law degree and I, I was deeply conflicted about, uh, you know, if you come from a family also where not, not a lot of people in it have money, it can seem like a super betrayal and a, a very, uh, you know, it's a conflict. It can be a conflict. You feel like you're betraying your roots in some way. I mean, that can cut both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, if you come from a family with a lot of money, if you want to step out of the mold and, say, become a creative writer or a nurse <laughs> or something where you're not going to make megabucks, we know there are families that are super, super disapproving of that. And so I think that's a lot of what I'm I'm also trying to get at here of, you know, Christ said, unless you hate your father and mother, it's a, it's a deeply, uh, talk about a disturbing statement. And he, he clearly doesn't mean hate them. He says, honor, honor your father and mother. But right. unless you're willing to risk their disapproval, which is unbelievably difficult on every level, uh, 
unless we're willing to step out of that family system, we're liable to be in bondage to something that is not totally life enriching and therefore not really based in Christ, but in some other kind of suited uh, neurotic fear. So that's really challenging stuff, I think, right? Definitely. Definitely. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to The Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, The Catholic Foodie, here today with author Heather King. Uh, her most recent book being Loaded, Money and the Spirituality of Enough. And uh, Heather, before the, the break, we were talking about uh, just like that family dynamic, you know, and, and the family that you come from and, and wanting to honor your father and mother, but at the same time, you got to be your own person and you can't sort of like live under the thumb of anybody else. And whether that's, you know, an actively living under the thumb, like someone's putting, you know, trying to make you live a certain way or just the baggage that we bring, uh, you know, as we grow up into adulthood. I know that my wife and I have done some work with uh, marriage prep and uh, even in our own marriage, we've had to deal with this too. But in the training to, to become like a, a, a couple who prepares other couples for marriage, they, they talk a lot about family of origin issues. And, and I could tell you that we all enter into marriage with baggage. We all bring stuff with us. And, and marriage is kind of like my, my wife likes to say, it's like putting two tea bags in hot water. Right. That hot water is like it's, everything comes out. Everything comes out. So uh, <laughs> that's very good. So that's like that. and, and, and you got to deal with that, that kind of stuff, you know. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> well, I think it's just, yeah, and the bondage to old ideas. Right. Um, so I think we were going to talk about kind of specifically what that looks like in my case. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, like, like the specific angle of, uh, of my book is this, this kind of concept of um, under earning uh, is one way to put it. But, you know, my own, my own money stuff, um, I grew up in New England, by the way, uh, and so super Puritan. I'm a convert. I always joke, people say, oh, why did you convert to Catholicism? And I say it was, I needed something softer and more tender than the Puritan work ethic Calvinism with which I was raised. But seriously, in New England, there's this whole, this whole uh, sort of idea, and it's not, it's not entirely a wrong idea by any means, but that doing without is a sign of high, high character. Mm, Doing without, that's actually the phrase. And it goes across the board whether you're super poor or whether you're super rich. So you'll have these people with old New England money who will not heat, for instance, their 20-room, quote, summer cottage Mm. that is worth millions of dollars. Um, They'll wear this kind of quintessential, yeah, the whole, the sweat, the sweater with the holes in it. Um, but it really, so there's something, and there's something to that. And clearly we do not want to be greedy consumers and clearly we're called by the gospels not to have a whole lot more than we need and to be grateful for what we have and to be good stewards. But there's a way that the sort of going without, in my case, can lead to this kind of scarcity mentality, mm. self-deprivation, that when you cross that with the whole Catholic uh, give until it hurts and and 
were, of course, were for the poor can, can really, I think, lead to a kind of pathology where the goal does, isn't like a healthy sort of fasting from certain things. In order to share, it becomes a kind of athletic, a spiritual athleticism where, oh, I'm different from other people. This is how much I can do. I can get all my clothes at the Goodwill. That's how little I care about money, property, and prestige. I can live on 27 cents a day. It'd be, it'd be, I mean, okay, that's great if you only make 27 cents a day, but I had a law degree. Right. And so, <laughs> for, <laughs> you know, and, and it becomes this kind of, again, it's another version of the parable of the talent. I'm going to get it over on the man. I'm not going to participate in the system in a way that is prideful, though. That is not the way of Christ that's, yeah, my kingdom is not of this world, uh, but we're in the world. He just doesn't, again, he doesn't, Christ doesn't, he's not against stuff. He's for love. And so he never makes a big deal about, oh, I'm going to be this countercultural revolutionary. He walks through the world with love, which is in and of itself radical and revolutionary without calling attention to itself. So it's this kind of anorexia. It's the difference between an anorexic and, and, and someone who truly is fasting out of love. It's a kind of, self-based deprivation. And that's what my life became and my whole thing around money. Um, so that's the, um, and there's lots of people, it turns out, like that. And for instance, they're the people with a ton of degrees who work at the Seven Eleven mm -hmm. because they've somehow convinced themselves that's all they can do or that's the only job they can get or that's the only job they can kind of emotionally handle. It's just kind of... Um, uh, Oh, we don't have enough money to go to the dentist, and that makes me holy. This, this, that makes me holy because I'm poor. Mm. Uh, and uh, I don't know if a normal person can understand. It sounds insane as I say it, but there's lots of people uh, who fall into that category. And um, and so um, you know, and then if you work as I do. If you write about spirituality, I mean, you you have a radio show that's about the spirituality of food, and there can be this, you know this, I'm sure, as well as I do, there can be this whole thing in, in yourself that says, oh, I shouldn't make money off of this. I'm writing about <laughs> the things of Christ. I'm writing about the things right. of the Gospels, right? Oh, yeah. And and. And if you feel that way, the people around you, trust me, will be more than happy to cooperate with you <laughs> and say, no, you shouldn't make money doing that. And oh, there are yeah. often people who live in, uh, you know, gated communities. And so for me, it really, uh, you know, I had, I had to begin to want to, um, and this only came about with the aid of people who had kind of had this sort of, um, wrong kind of thinking and had come to a kind of awakening around it. But really I had to learn to make more and spend more. And to mm. someone who's terrified of being a horrible, greedy consumer, that is very frightening. Um, but that's uh, how it kind of came about. And one of the ways I started was getting really clear about my money, literally keeping track of every penny I earned and every penny I spent. And this sounds, uh, can sound very non-spiritual and very, I think we tend to think, oh, I'm just, I'm above money. And so I'm, I just don't pay that much attention to it, but that is right. not spiritual in any way. 
And um, I found that when I was willing to be specific about it, it took the metaphysical weight off of money. It became, money becomes just a tool. It becomes mm. a number. The amount of money I have or don't have says nothing about my actual worth. It's a tool. Why wouldn't I want to keep track of it? Um, and so that began to open the door. Um, and people just asked me to, uh, help me to sort of ask for more. I have to make a humane living. Clearly I'm not making it off of my books. Um, so, okay, I can speak. All right. How much money do I ask? And I began to ask for more money. That was one major way I began to make a way more humane living. Mm -hmm. I asked for what I thought I was worth. And, um, that again, super difficult. Oh, people will think I'm greedy. People will think I'm pushy. People will think, what will they think? What will they think? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you could serve the, you could look at all that I have with that would translate into the starving people of China, the amount of money. <laughs> and it's like, I need to pay my rent. <laughs> I need to put gas in my car. So anyway, that was, and I lay out in the book, literally the specifics of, I mean, I lay out the figures, how much money I made and how much I spent for this certain three month period, one year apart before mm -hmm. and after my kind of recovery. And, uh, I think that's kind of radical in our culture. Oh, yeah. We are super secretive around money. Our best friends don't know how much money we have. They don't mm -hmm. know how we spend it, how, what we do with it, how we budget it. No, 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 no. Taboo. And why is it a taboo? Why does it have to be a taboo? So I hope by just laying it out, it takes some of the taboo off it. Why is it a, big, why is it a secret? Why? It's a, it's a tool of love. Um, Let's talk uh, yeah. about, let's have a conversation about how to be around it and be freer around it and share more of it. Well, I, I think that that's, I mean, when you share your story like that and you're sharing the details of your story like that, that's, that's something I think that speaks to people, you know, that, that we, we're afraid of money and we're afraid of all the things around money. And so if you right. are sharing your story and sharing those details as, as you do in the book, uh, loaded money and the spirituality of enough, um, then, then it gives other people courage. You know, and I think it, it it can inspire other people. And I know from myself reading reading the book, uh, I mean, it, part of it just just cut me right to the heart. I mean, I I, I went through some of that too, just being self employed and trying to figure out. It's like, okay, I've never done this self employed thing before. How do I charge my services? You know, and going from right. charging a teeny tiny amount because that's what I'm. I think I'm. I don't know if it, I didn't put it in these words, but basically that's what I'm worth. You know. To eventually yeah. growing into, wow, they want this? Oh, okay, it's going to be this amount, and it's a much bigger number, and it allows me to actually support my family. You know, that's it was a, uh, a, a, a growing experience for me, and an eye-opening experience. I'll, I'll say this, we're, we're, we're running close out of time, but just to see the, the, the power of money and how our view, how it can affect us, that I had, there were some potential clients that I had uh, or almost had who they, they simply didn't, um, go with me for my services because I didn't charge enough. So in their mm -hmm. view, in their view, if I wasn't charging enough and the quality must not have been as good. So anyway, it's just, it's exactly. interesting how it, it goes both ways. You know, it definitely, definitely goes both ways, but Heather, thank you so much for joining me here on the Catholic foodie today. Uh, where can people find you online? I know you have a website. What is the uh, the address? 
I do, and it's Heather King with a hyphen in the middle. So heather-king.com and um, blog, books, events. Uh, well, thank you again so much. Uh, this is the Catholic Foodie Show on Breadbox Media. I'm Jeff Young, your host, joined today by Heather King. And until next time, bon appetit.